Welcome to the C3 Church Watson podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Good morning, everybody, and uh, exciting times to be alive. Thank you, band. You are awesome, but you may leave. Give the band a clap. Very good. Doing a great job as usual. All right. Here we go. Start off by talking about a character who's in the Bible, in the book of Judges, chapter 6, Gideon. And Gideon was an interesting guy for on many levels. And that story you can read yourselves. I won't go right through the whole story today. It's just an introduction. He went from being a timid person who was hiding away Uh, trying to care for his people, through to being a leader that God selected. An angel came and met him, told him how wonderful he was as a warrior and brought him through to being a victorious leader. And Gideon was able to uh, go from being someone who thought he was the weakest guy in the weakest family, in the weakest clan, in the weakest tribe. That's what he said to the angel of the Lord. How could you possibly choose me? And he went through to being the leader of, a, of an army that defeated 120,000 aggressive enemies. And right in the middle of the chapter 6, verse 34, it talks about uh, how the Spirit of God came upon Gideon and transformed him into, by his power transformed Gideon by the power of the Holy Spirit. He went from being a person who saw himself as weak and nothing to being a person who was prepared to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have a go. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to be counted. And I don't know, I don't know about you, but I feel like that sometimes too. I'm weak. I'm, I haven't got the, what it takes. Well, if you feel like that, then you qualify. You qualify for the Holy Spirit. You qualify for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. Because sometimes if we say, no, I don't feel weak, I feel strong, well, we can kind of push God out so it's, okay, God, I've got this. When in fact we need God in every area of our lives. Gideon is the classic uh, person who proves that word. It's not by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Because he was able to assemble 32,000 soldiers. He still had 120,000 against him, but he assembled 32,000. They're ready to go. Come on, Gideon. He was being a leader. And then God said, hang on a second. Too many people. Get rid of all those who feel a little bit timid and a little bit scared about going to battle. And, and 22,000 left him. So now he has 10,000. And God says, no, it's still too many for me to receive the glory for this one. And he gave... Gideon, an interesting test to put people through, and it whittled it down to 300. So now he's only got 300 guys against 120,000, and God leads a massive victory. Why? Because the victory came from a strategy from the Holy Spirit, and it was a spiritual victory. It was a powerful spiritual victory. And uh, it's not by might or by power, but it's by God's Spirit. And sometimes we are facing challenges, and the only way we're ever going to get out is if we take our hands off the controls and say, God, you you take this because I don't know what to do. The enemy is too big for me. 
And God says, that's fine. It's not by your might or power anyway. Look at this in John 20, verses 19 to 23. Jesus, on the day, the same day as he rose from the dead, Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Just like Gideon, meeting in, in a secret place, hiding in a secret place. Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands, his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. I believe that this was a turning point between the two Testaments. Up until that point, you had the Old Testament way of being accepted by God. Now, the same criteria apply to us as did to the disciples. You have an encounter with the risen Jesus. You meet him. We meet him spiritually. We have this encounter and we know that's God speaking to me. Have an encounter. And then you confess with your mouth, you're the Lord. You are the Lord. You are the one. And you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. At that point, the disciples passed from earthly to eternal life. They were filled with uh, Jesus breathed into them, the Holy Spirit, just as God breathed into Adam the breath of life. He breathed into them, received the Holy Spirit. They had all their sins were washed out, washed away, wiped out. They were adopted as sons. They were justified as if on the same status as Jesus before God in terms of righteousness. And we all have that as well when we accept Christ. And later on today, I'm going to invite those of you who haven't done that to do that, to ask Jesus to accept you, to, to turn away from your sin and say to him, I believe you are the Lord. And I believe that God has raised you from the dead as conquering over sin, as conquering over death. A, a victorious life, they're followers of Jesus from now on. He is the door. To, spirit, to spiritual life, supernatural life. You don't get it by going to a particular church. You don't get it by some sort of intellectual process. It's not by some sort of doctrine that you believe or some change of behaviors that now you light 10 candles every day and now you're a new person. No, it's an encounter with the living Jesus that produces change in our hearts, produces change in our status before God. But Jesus said to the disciples, wait, there's more. I've got more for you. I've got more. I've got another gift for you. I've got another gift for you beyond just eternal status. He says in Luke 24 verse 49, Now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Jesus told them there was more. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come. What did they lack? Their sins were forgiven. They had a new status with God. They were going to live forever in eternal life. What did they lack? Well, I'll tell you what they lacked. They lacked spiritual power. They had spiritual life, but they didn't have spiritual power. They weren't bold. They were hiding. 
They, did, they lacked a sense of calling of what do I do? Where, where am I going? Peter said, oh, I'm going to go back fishing. And they had zero impact on the city. The whole city was unaffected by a group of Jesus followers. They were in Jerusalem, but Jerusalem didn't know about it. Jerusalem just kept going the way they always had. There were nice, a lot of nice, quiet Christians. And the devil loves nice, quiet Christians. Just meet in your quiet little place, say your quiet little prayer, but don't impact anyone. And God says, well, actually, you're going to impact everyone if you're going to be filled with my spirit. They had a lack of spiritual confidence, spiritual authority, and spiritual direction in their lives. So Jesus said, there's more. And Acts 1 to 4, Acts 1, 4 to 5, he says, Once when they were eating with Jesus, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You that'll be, you'll be my witnesses then, telling people about me everywhere, right all the way to the ends of the earth. And Joel, the prophet, had promised in Joel 2.28, after doing all these things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, John Jenkins, and your young men will see visions, Tim Taylor. Uh, John, I was asking you to tell some of the old men that you know. (laughs) In those days, I'll pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. And all the women said, amen. All women in leadership, amen. (laughs) Gifted by the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Father was to come. So we had a spiritual life Sunday, and now we have a 50 days later, a supernatural, a spiritual power Sunday. Acts 2, 1 to 4, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and every one present was filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them this ability. Acts 2, 16 to 18. And Peter said, this is what Joel prophesied when he said that God was going to pour out his spirit upon all people. This was the Father's promise. The Father's intention is always to fill his children with every good thing and to fill us with an overcoming power in our life, an overcoming sense that God is in control, an overcoming sense of call, an overcoming sense of of, uh, direction, Now the disciples received an infilling. Their hearts were full to overflowing. They weren't just going to heaven. Now they had a confident boldness to share the good news that they hadn't had. They'd been afraid up to that point. They had a sense of call, a destiny. God wants me to to give all of my life for him. There's no more talk about Peter going back to fishing after that point. He had a sense of, uh, there's more to life than, than catching fish, making money. I'm here for a greater purpose. And, you know, some of us are called to, to doing uh, a, um, this sort of ministry. But most of us are called to 
Whatever we're doing, we're doing it for the Lord. Whatever we're doing should have a sense of call. I'm here for God's, re- for God's purposes. I'm a missionary and they're paying for me to, to be that. It also meant that the disciples had new insight and understanding of the Old Testament scriptures. Peter was able to identify, hang on a second, this is what Joel was talking about. It came to him in a, in a revelation. Wow, this is it. This is the promise of the Father, what you see here today. And of course, all of Jerusalem felt the impact. What on earth is going on? They had a boldness to go out there and start preaching. All of those disciples, and there were women in there as well. Uh, Mary was there. They were all out there speaking. It wasn't just the men. It was men and women because that was the promise. Speaking to all of Jerusalem. And they were speaking also. They received an unlearned language. This was a sign that something had happened. It was like a reversal of the Tower of Babel where God confused all languages. Now God says, well, here's a language that I'm always going to understand. It's a language from heaven. Acts 8, 14 to 17 says, when the, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. These were believers. They were following Jesus. They were disciples of Jesus. They wanted to please Jesus. They wanted to live for Jesus. But they had not had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. By the way, the Holy Spirit is not it. It's not like, Lord, just pray that it comes now. No, He. It's His preferred pronoun. The Holy Spirit is a person. He comes because he is Jesus on earth now. Jesus is gone. He said, I'm going to send you a comforter. He's going to walk beside you. The Holy Spirit. There's a lot of spirits in this place, in this country, in this city, in this world. But there's only one Holy Spirit. And he is close to every believer. He, we, are breathe, we breathe in the Holy Spirit and receive eternal life and then he comes and he fills us over and over and you might have had an experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit before and uh, tick that box but Paul says in Ephesians 5 he says do not be drunk with wine but be filled with the Spirit and that word filled is present continuous verb according to the Greek scholars who, who are smarter than me it means you get filled and filled and filled over and over again Today is a good day to get filled. Tomorrow is a good day to get filled. Every day is a good day to be filled. Be filled. And we say, oh, I don't get drunk on wine. Yeah, but we get drunk on lots of things. In our culture, we get drunk on entertainment. We drink it in. I want some more Netflix. Okay, finish that series. Straight on to the next one. Okay, we just keep drinking, drinking. Social media, we get drunk on that. Anything that is a distraction... Anything that become, can potentially become an addiction will distract us from being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a much better filling. There are a couple of other scriptures, Acts 10.44, Acts 19.1-6, 1 
Um, if you want to read other scriptures where the apostles said, have they been filled with the Holy Spirit? What was the criteria? They spoke with other tongues. How do you receive the Holy Spirit in this way? The Spirit of power. How do you receive that? Well, let's look at some things that Jesus said about it. Luke 11, 11 to 13. Jesus said, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give who? The Holy Spirit to those who ask. So we ask God. We ask you to fill us with your Holy Spirit. We are, we are, uh, we're just like in the upper room here. For many of us, this is not new, but for some of us it is. We're a, a powder keg waiting to explode. All we need is the, the power. Perhaps we feel a little bit weak. We, we sort of hide our faith at work or with the family or whatever. Well, God has power for us to bring boldness that is not our own boldness. I know that um, being filled with the Spirit and uh, the biggest change for me has been my devotional life. It's been being able to pray in the Spirit. And uh, Paul, uh, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 14, 14. He says, If I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. That's interesting. It's interesting because we're all very intellectual, we're highly educated. You know, Canberra, we don't want the spirit of Canberra to close us off from this. Sometimes it's, it's, it's heartfelt people who are more likely, heart-led people who are more likely to, to absorb this and to say yes and amen to this. Often it's quite intellectual, intelligent people who say, well, it doesn't make sense. I don't want to lose control. I'm in control. My Christianity is under control. And God's saying, uh, well, what you need to do is hand a bit of that to me. Because it says out of our belly will flow rivers of living water. It doesn't say out of our head, out of our mind will flow. It's that part of us that loves. It's that part of us that cares about other people. It's that part of us that yearns for God. That's our spiritual belly we may not understand when i when i don't know what to pray i can pray in the spirit and the holy spirit will lead me in what to pray he knows what to pray i don't understand but i don't need to understand oh but i need to understand i'm an intelligent educated person no you don't need to understand you need to forget about understanding some things of god it's a total mystery. If your God is totally understandable, he's not much of a God. He's more of a genie in a bottle. So God will always give us the good things that we request, especially the Holy Spirit. And if we've been filled with the Holy Spirit, we can ask for more. We can ask to be refilled. And listen to this great scripture from Jesus, John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39. This is how we get the Holy Spirit Every time we ask. On the last day, the very climax of the festival, Jesus stood up and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. What's the first criteria? Thirst. 
If you're not thirsty for God, why expect him to force you to do anything or just jump in on you? God responds totally. Jesus says to everyone when he was praying for you, what would you have me do? Where does your thirst lie? What are you thirsty for? We say, well, I want more of you. I can do that. So number one, we must be thirsty. This, the gift of the Holy Spirit is not for clever people. It's not for highly trained people. They can get it as well. It's not for uh, s- people who are just super spiritual and, and off with the pixies somewhere. No, it's just for thirsty people. That's the criteria. Are you thirsty for God? I want more of God. Number two, he says, come to me. We go to Jesus. He's the baptizer. Just reminding you of that scripture, of the scripture that I, uh, actually I might not have read this particular one, Acts 2, 32, 33. Jesus said, and the Father, as he had promised, sorry, it wasn't Jesus speaking, one of the other disciples, Peter, Peter, sorry. The Father, as he had promised, gave Jesus the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us. So Jesus is the baptizer. We come to him. Anyone who's thirsty may come to Jesus and what? Drink. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. How often do we drink of God? For the scriptures declare rivers of living water. Not one river, rivers. We have different rivers for different occasions in our life. Different seasons in our life. Rivers of living water will flow from your heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit. Who would be given to everyone believing in him but it had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered his glory. The Holy Spirit was waiting. Jesus was waiting until he went to heaven and then he said, right, they're all yours. It was a tag team trinity trick. So we are thirsty. We come to Jesus and we drink. And we're going to do this in a moment. We're going to let our hearts fill up with the beauty of God again, with the beauty of Jesus, with the love of Jesus. So a big change for me when I was filled with the Holy Spirit was my devotional life. A friend of mine, a big change for him was that he, for the first time as a believer, having been a believer uh, for a number of years and grown up in a Catholic home before that, saying prayers, he'd never said, I love you, looking at God, I love you. Okay, so time has gone off. Is that it? All right, mic down. And as we drink up, there's an overflow. And the Bible says that out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. You know what's in your heart by what you speak. And uh, we speak out, not English. We speak out a heartfelt language. We speak a language that's given to us by the Holy Spirit. If, a language we've never learned. We probably will never understand it intellectually. Although occasionally Christian missionaries will report that they were praying in the Spirit in a country and locals have come up to them and said, uh, how did you learn my language? You've only been here a few weeks. What do you mean? Well, you're just speaking my language right now when you're praying. Oh, what was I saying? <laughs> because it's praying in the Spirit, not with understanding. Well, you were just praising God in my language and you were praying for my people in my language. How could you do that? Well, by faith. 
how do you know it's right to do this? Because you asked God. You asked God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. He fills you with the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. Our part is to speak. God will not force you to speak. We do our part and he does his part. God will never make you speak in tongues because he never makes us do anything. Peter says in Acts eleven twelve, he says, the Spirit bade me go. He didn't say, the Spirit made me go. He's, he's saying, the Spirit invited me. And always, the Holy Spirit invites us to do things. It's up to us. Why don't you come and speak to this person? Oh, come on. I'm not going to force you. You can refuse me if you want. He's a gentleman. He's given us a free will and he'll never override it. But So we can decide to speak and the power is there, but only we can turn it on. And so we make a noise, we start moving our tongue, we start forming uh, with our uh, articulate sounds, consonants and vowels, and the Holy Spirit will, will, will fill it all in. I know for me, there was, the breakthrough for me came with this uh, prayer language when I thought, what if I, can't, what if I could not speak English anymore? How could I praise God? I'd still want to praise God because my heart is full of love for Him. So how could I do it? What would I say? Well, I'd just say something that felt like love to God and praise to God. And you just pray out of a place of heart, not head. So, be motivated by love and worship for God. Let's just shut our eyes right now. And if you're sitting here and you've never even connected with Jesus, haven't had that experience of new birth, of all your sins being washed clean, then why don't you say quietly to God right now, God, I'm sorry I've ignored you. I've put you number two, three, ten on my list of priorities. I want you back up number one. Please forgive me. Please take the blood of Jesus and, and, and use it to, to wash me clean. Get rid of all my past and all the stupid things I've done and said and thought and the way I've ignored you and been so selfish. Please forgive me. I invite you into me. Breathe into me like you did with Adam. Breathe into me eternal life, spiritual life. And for the rest of us today, I invite you to, to come and be filled with the Holy Spirit again today. Or if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, to give Him room today. It says there, be thirsty. If you're thirsty today, if, you, if, this, if you're not thirsty, then this is not for you. But if you are thirsty, spiritually thirsty, you feel dry, you feel weak, you're hiding your faith away, you need a sense of direction and call and power in your life, you want boldness and confidence that I invite you to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Can you see him? Let's see Jesus. See Jesus as he really is. He's empowered in heaven. He's eternal. He is glorious. He's magnificent. He's wonderful. He loves you. He made us. He formed us in our mother's womb. He wanted one of you. He loves you. He's your maker. One day, Lord, we will stand before you and even now we can get a glimpse and a taste of how beautiful you are. 
Even now we can get a taste of how much He loves us. Even now we can get a taste. We drink in of His glory, of His glory, eternal glory. One day everything around us will fade to nothing. It'll all just disappear. And if we see Jesus as He is, we'll get a sense of everything else falling away and losing its shine to us. All those things that are so important to us right now, let's put them down and let's say, Jesus, you're more important. I want you more than I want those things. Those priorities, those dreams, Lord, I sacrifice them to you now because I want you. And we drink him in. And as we feel his love for us, filling us, we have a sense of being filled, filled and filled by his presence. And we just desire to speak out words of praise to him words of love to him. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c 3 churchwatsonorg